In this episode of Negative Modifier, we were playing the game Cult Divinity Lost. Cult Divinity Lost by design involves content, themes, and situations that may be uncomfortable or triggering for some listeners, and is most definitely not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised, and we really do mean that this time. Hey there, Charlie here. On behalf of the whole cast and crew of Negative Modifier, thanks for giving us a listen. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a rating or reviewing us on your listening platform of choice, or liking this episode if you're enjoying this on YouTube. It only takes a few seconds and helps us find new people to inflict our signature brand of madness upon. If you want to support the show, consider supporting us on Patreon. If you're looking to chat with the cast, other listeners, or get the most up-to-date news about the podcast, check out our Discord channel. Both are linked down below in the show notes. And with that all said... You're all back down on the first floor of 514 South Waring? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm just now walking downstairs from all right. upstairs. Makes sense. You gearing up to leave? Like, there's honestly not much more to explore here, really. Like, they've been over this crime scene several times. Like, again, this isn't really about trying to find new evidence. It's about trying to kind of spook something out of Franklin Mills. And it's doing that, but also not in a really useful way. Like, there is a way of looking at this that you've just really made a stronger argument for this whole insanity plea thing, potentially. But that's either here nor there. This place still had a negative impact on him. Is the plan to kind of move on to the Cenobia at this point, or you want to poke around some more? Well, here's my thing. Currently, he's uneasy with this place, and he's already experiencing these fugue states and whatnot. I'm trying to decide as a character when is going to be a better time to just kind of pull out this image and ask him about like the nail scratches, because that's definitely something that I think that could trigger him. I don't know if I want to do this in the space where he is now and just kind of constantly ramp up that set of triggers, or if I want to corner him in the drive over to the Cenobium and ask him in the car whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I got the conundrum on this one. There's definitely pluses and minuses to both. On one hand, he's uneasy here, but at the same time, he's really uneasy here, like, to the point of being slightly unhinged kind of thing. Like, any information you may get is not necessarily going to be, not even admissible, just kind of nonsensical, potentially, to a certain extent. And on the flip side, it definitely is kind of acting as a bit of a screw-turning type of situation. Like, it's definitely unnerved him enough he's saying things whether or not they're coherent is problem though that makes yeah i get the conundrum you looking for advice i guess on that one or are you kind of just weighing it in, in character i kind of i might be looking for a little bit of advice because i know that there is i know that there's like a read a person yeah but so i was gonna say like you gotta kind of play the game a little bit on this one what are you doing, I guess? Are you kind of observing him? Are you like mentally mm-hmm. weighing this? You kind of checking this against what you know of your profession versus him? Like also you'd know that kind of what you're about to do is ethically gray at best. Like I guess like what's the thought process going into what you're how you're processing this? Well, I've already showed part of my hand to my fellow players in this game. But I haven't really fully kind of opened that box of worms up. Sure. 
So for me, I want to check Franklin's state right now and where, like, does he look better or worse um, than when he came in, especially after that sort of interaction upstairs? Because what I'm trying to find is what I can, with my professional knowledge, or at least with my professional experiences, what would produce a more vulnerable state for me to pry into and extract the information that I want? Yeah, give me a read a person on that one. Success. All right, yeah. So to answer your initial question, he's doing worse than when he arrived at the house, obviously. He's definitely also doing worse than when he was first brought in. He has improved over how he was doing upstairs and definitely improved over how he was reacting to being in proximity to the closet wardrobe. If you were to rank kind of his four mental states, he's probably second worst, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How far away is Detective Jenner and Kostroff? That's up to them at this point. Let's jump over to them. Kostroff, Jenner, what are you doing at this point? Everyone's kind of come back down. There's a bit of a scene upstairs. Jenner, you were about to maybe endanger this case. Kostroff, today has been going probably about as you feared, but also better, worse than you were worried about it going? I actually don't know on that one. I'm assuming we all came down as a group, just kind of generally in the area, and it was just kind yeah. of seeing what we were going to do at this point. Because, like, I mean, obviously, when we all rushed up there, we saw what happened. Yeah. We're kind of curious. But yeah, beyond that, like, I guess at this point, I was kind of waiting to see what we're going to do if we're moving to the next location or if we're done. I mean, I figured after an event like that, we would probably call it. But uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a waiting game at this point to see where what we're doing. Yeah, a heavy dose of kind of going with the flow, if you will. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. How does Kostroff, I guess, view today? Like, are you hoping to gain anything from today? Like, I, you're here because you are an integral part of this whole kind of bizarre, insane chain of events. But like, why are you here? I guess, like, motivation wise, like I was hoping maybe there was something in this case that would help either justify or maybe like prove my details or say at least my my recollection of the events were to kind of like i guess kind of like clear my name because it's i mean not that i'm like being held guilty but like i mean i was like put on leave and yeah. it's this whole kind of just like vague not 100 percent really sure what's going on and obviously everyone thinks i'm like the story of what I've kind of presented seems a little bit far-fetched. No, I guess to kind of jump directly from you to Jenner right now, not everyone here thinks you're innocent or kind of that you're actually telling the truth. Yeah. Other than just confronting the guy, it's, it's kind of a search for, for vindication, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like... I can clear my name, get back to, you know, doing my job and, and ultimately take care of, of my family. That's 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 those are my biggest like factors. It's like I just want to get back to 
Dominic and my wife. So I'm just kind of like trying to get my my validation, trying to get this all sorted out so I can go back to doing my job and take care of my family. That, that's my goal. Makes sense. And Jenna, where are you at through all this? Like, obviously you kind of gave into it a little bit upstairs, but. Yeah, I'm a little, um, I'm a little off put, but I'm sort of used to dealing with uh, what Jenna would consider crazy. And, you know, this kind of fits into that. She occasionally gives Kostroff a mean look, but not as mean as it was at the start of the day. Mm -hmm. She seems to be more distracted with Mills because, well, in the moment she hadn't realized she was doing it, but uh, she's afraid that if she jeopardizes the case and he doesn't go away, uh, she'll blame it on herself. And that brings her to a whole nother line of thinking, which is a lot more dark, where uh, if he doesn't get convicted, she'd make sure or try to make sure that he uh, he never got to spend the rest of his time getting help or uh, whatever insanity plea he makes. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Realization that your behavior may, in fact, be the exact thing you were warned to avoid doing. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, so to jump back to Dahomre for a second there, how far are you two from the good doctor? I don't know where Dahomre is, but uh, I'm probably... Where are you, Dahomre? I am descending the stairs. I was kind of making my eagle-eye observation from kind of mid-stair height. Sure. Yeah, I'd be standing at, like, the foot of the stairs leaning against the wall, looking out towards the front door. Sure. Kostroff? Uh, I was just kind of following along. I believe I was further away than everyone else was when we... So, like, in the living room by now, probably, give or take? Yeah, probably in the living All room, right. like, back down with the, with the rest of the group. But, yeah, I would have been, like, probably one of the last people that ran up originally, because I was out in the back porch when yeah. all that went down in the first place, so... No, yeah, no. So, I guess, like, to your question, Dehamre, like, is that a space in your comfort with? You've got to try and engineer the situation to create more space to do your thing or no no and then where is franklin franklin's probably in the living room by now too he got brought down here in pretty much of a hurry so they're not quite giving him like porch space but they're if you had to guess there's definitely a vibe of okay maybe it's time to leave a little bit soon okay cool 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 as i'm descending the stairs i Casually say, oh, I guess it's uh, almost time for us to head out, huh? Who are you saying it to? Just kind of a out uh, open statement. Oh, sure. And I'm trying to kind of keep a loose and casual look as I kind of walk over to Franklin. Are they, like, looking outside of the living room into the back porch, or are they kind of... What ideally I would like to do is I would just kind of want to kind of get within an earshot of Franklin and say, I checked out the inside of that closet, peeled off some of that paint. You want to see what I saw? Show you. Doc, there's nothing here I want to see. I, I, I get that you're all having a lot of fun with this very fucked up dog and pony show you're putting me through, but you got the wrong guy. I'm innocent. There's scratches and, inside the closet door. 
Yeah, no shit. Scratches happen in an old house. Probably something real bad happened in there. They look like fingernail scratches. About the size of a small child. Maybe a small girl. Do you know any girls that might be might have been put in that closet? Do you know any girls that would have been bad enough to be put in that closet? Alright, so give me an influence other. Success, 17. Alright, so Franklin tries really hard to fight this for a second. And kind of under his breath, he mutters, if you're trying to suggest that Lisa's death has any fucking to do with what the fuck happened here, you can go fuck yourself, Doc. That's just... Fuck you. I want to turn on my camera, and then I'm going to pull up the image of the nail scratches in the closet. I'm just going to shove it in his face. He's like, I thought you... What do you mean, Lisa's death? I thought you talked to her uh, not too long ago, as well as your mom. Are you saying that your sister is dead? Did your sister make these? Are these your sister's scratches? All right, so you're pushing the tablet into his face, correct? Basically, yes. So he's going to try and, like, shove at you. How do you respond to kind of him trying to shove you and or the iPad out of the way? As a criminal psychologist, I would imagine that I have experienced this before, as well as the fact that there are two security guards who are there as well. Mm -hmm. So I have confidence that I'm not going to be seriously injured. So I'll I'll eat the I'll eat the shove. I will not relent. All right. So you're going to kind of endure the hit potentially. Yes. All right. Let's do an endure injury. How much harm do I suffer? Just one. Endure injury, partial success. I'm still standing, but the GM picks one condition. Injury throws me off balance. I lose something or I receive a serious wound. Between the manacles and the two guards, specifically Preston, kind of rushing on to him to make sure he doesn't do something stupid. All he manages to do is kind of knock the iPad out of your hand, but it does hit the ground, and you probably hear a slight cracking sound as it hits the ground hard. And he just fixes you with a murder glare. Like, no words are exchanged, but you understand the thought he has is, you're going to fucking pay for that, Doc. Subject is experiencing extreme volatile behaviors at the mention of his dead sister's name, as well as his dead mother's name. Subject has confirmed that he is aware of his sister's passing. We'll dive further. Is that where your mom killed Lisa? Is that, or is that where you killed Lisa? Did you kill Lisa there? Did you kill Soraya there? So as you're kind of saying this to him, the two guards start to lead him out of the house. Like Preston kind of looks at you just exasperated, like, why you gotta be making our job harder, Doc? Let's let's fucking go. Next stop. This is I'm too riled. Like ah shit. All right. Um, pack it up. Some will be here to kind of close this all up once we leave. Um, anyone riding with us looks at the dock, kind of like you'd better fucking not. Yes, absolutely. He grits his teeth and kind of stares at you, just pissed as all hell. Give me an influence, others. Success with a 19. You do not want to be denying the person who is 
not only writing up Franklin Mills's psychological report, access to Franklin Mills, nor do you want to deny access to Franklin Mills, the person who is writing your fellow officer's psychological evaluation, lest he not be returned on duty. Are you going to be the people that prevents Kostroff from getting his job back? Preston lets out a long, just slow sigh. Sure, fuck it. Whatever, Doc, you can ride with us. Looks at everyone else. Uh, You two? Jenner's just going to give Preston a look like, do you want help? He shakes his head no. He's like, we, we got it. We'll get him back under control. Once he's in the van, he'll probably calm down. This place has been fucking spooky, right? It is off-putting, but I guess that's what happens when somebody murders kids inside. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Fuck it. Whatever. I'll follow close behind. Yep. So you guys in any trouble. Kostroff? Yeah, no, I'm just going to kind of follow along, but I'm not going to ride with him in the sure. car. Yeah. Just like previous setup, like before. Yeah, makes sense. I'm going to grab my iPad and catch up. Yeah, so the iPad screen is cracked. It's still functional, but it's got one of those big kind of starting to spider cracks across the screen of it. Like, it's still totally usable. You might cut your hand a little bit by accident or something like that. Well, minor setback, but replaceable. Yeah. So I assume you follow Mills and Preston to the van? Yep. I do. While I am. On my way, I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to switch out for a fresh tape as well as for a fresh battery on my handheld. Sure. All right. So as you all step out of the house, like it's weird stepping back into the light. You do feel like you're emerging from something dark. And maybe you are emerging from something dark. The house had no power. It was dark inside. Like there was definitely a bit of an ominous vibe to the place, which makes sense. There was a multiple horrific murder that was conducted there type of thing. Makes sense. It feels a tad off. Any reactions to being back outside at all? Just kind of getting that fresh air. Admittedly, it's still gross and rainy out, so. Not for Jenner. Sure. Uh, I guess it is a bit of a relief because that house feels kind of oppressive and there's a lot of horrible stuff that went on in there, but Business as usual, hoping that the next place won't be as uh, disastrous. Sure. Now, so as you kind of step outside and get some air, you notice across the street kind of hiding behind a lamppost, a small 11-year-old girl in a pink padded jacket just kind of standing there, peeking around it at you all emerging from the house. Say that again? I mean... Jenner notices a small girl just kind of watching you all leave the house. Yeah. Like it, it's a suspicious sight, I guess. Like admittedly, nothing about this is not attracting attention. Like you are indeed escorting a person in shackles through a suburban neighborhood. After all, like that's gonna draw some attention. Everyone lucky enough to be outside during this not so great weather. Yeah, I mean, Jenner's just gonna shout to her. She says, uh, "Go inside. Gonna catch a cold." Kostroff to Hamre. There's no one there. You're alone on the street, or at least you, Mills, and the escorts. You're the only people there. I uh, do like a look around, like to see if maybe I'm missing something. So I kind of just like, huh. And I, I look back at uh, Jenner and I'm like, 
who are you talking to? And then I look back kind of in that direction that they're looking at. Uh, yeah, dinner kind of like looks to Kostrov and then back to where the girl is. And she'll say, uh, yeah, there was a, a kid out here. Fucking this weather. I mean, kind of parents are going to let them out here. She's going to get sick, pneumonia or something. I just kind of look over at a gender and, and go, all right. Got to continue on my way. Definitely a confused look on my face for a second. Uh, yeah, it looks like Jenner's about to say something, but she stops herself and heads to her car. Makes sense. About two-thirds of the way to the van, Preston gets a phone call, kind of answers it, looks around, swears a couple times out loud, looks at their escort and goes, I guess you're staying here. They're going to send someone to pick you up. Apparently we're short-staffed, and you got to go back ASAP, so uh, looks at Franklin Mills. Guess it's just me, you, and the doctor riding to the Cenobia, so, uh, yeah. You still want to ride with us, Doc? Well, he's going to be kept in his restraints, so this should be fine. Shrugs this, yeah, sure, whatever. Guess you can ride shotgun for this. Uh, sh- shotgun? Oh, no, no, no. And I'm going to seat myself across Franklin Mills in the car. He looks at you a little disgusted, shrugs. You see him kind of put something into one of his ears and gets in the driver's seat, starts the car, and you're off. Jenner, Kostroff, I assume you both follow at this point, or any stops you make before you go to Zenobia, or nah? When we leave the house, I actually want to, like, Check my phone, like I'll like maybe I'll pull off the side and like check my phone and message uh, my wife again because like just kind of be like, hey, it's gonna be a little while. Do you want me to pick up anything on the way home, kind of thing? Yeah. So a couple seconds pass, and Amy texts you back. I understand completely, dear. Anything you need today is as much as it can be about you. You're so brave to be doing this, and. We love you and support you through all of this. I read the message and I'm a little bit caught off guard because like I did ask like, hey, do you like like, well, I'll just kind of like I have a little weird odd moment like processing it. Well, I do appreciate it. I kind of like, okay, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Um, Is there anything you want me to pick up on the way home? Like you guys hungry? Anything like that when I'm done? Send message. You got text back. I'll think of something. Um, I could also cook if that would make you happy. That says sounds good. Uh, once I get closer to being on my way, I'll kind of follow up and we'll go from there. And then uh, after that one, I'm like, okay, that seemed a little more like normal, so it felt a little bit better. And so I, I go back on my way. Sure, makes sense. Detective Jenner, uh, I am just following close behind. All right, so we're going to jump back into the van as you are driving. Looking around Dr. Tahamra, you notice a couple things. One, Preston's not really paying attention to you at all. In his mind, Franklin knows the security. He's all shackled in. He's buckled in. Like, there's not much he can do. Even with you there, you are probably safe enough, given all the circumstances, and... 
you even notice he's kind of propped his phone up and he's watching, you'd guess, basketball on his phone and you're guessing he's listening to it on his earbud. Hmm. Distracted driver. I would have figured Preston would be something like that, but... And I just kind of turn and look at Franklin and I am going to not say anything, actually. But I'm just going to pull out these photos one more time and I'm just going to shuffle through them and as I'm shuffling through them, I'm make remarks or write notes comparative to what I was able to film at the house, as well as anything that's on my iPad as well. Any instance that I do look back at my notes and just kind of compile the notes, structures and stuff like that, I'm going to be playing the video with sound off of my camcorder. I know that I just switched the tape, but I'll switch it back to just kind of review in front of Franklin. Sure. Are you playing it loud enough that you can obviously hear it and stuff like that? Or I guess like, what's the intent of what you're trying to do? So I'm going to be replaying this, especially just kind of the, my last minute questioning of him. Um, well, not just to ideally observe his reactions to my very heavy-handed and obvious, like, provocations. Sure, so he kind of makes some really eye contact with you, then just kind of closes his eyes and tries to, maybe not relax, but kind of like tries to get into a semi-comfortable position and starts humming just loud enough that you're guessing it's probably drowning out most of the noise that you're making. From there, I think I'll stop make note of his resistance to the provocations and everything else like that. And um, how gnarly do I want to get with this? So I'm going to think out loud right now, just because I have this terrible, terrible concept of thinking to myself, hey, I have a syringe of tranquilizer on me, which can knock an adult out in a flash. A lot of the times, the subconscious can be unlocked through psychological means or whatever have you, or not psychological means, but like psychoactive drugs and whatnot. This is a very unethical thing, but I am very interested in my own personal goals as well as the fact that I am currently unsupervised with the subject of my interest, and I don't think I'll ever get a opportunity like this again. So I guess to recap, your plan is to drug him and hopes that that will loosen his tongue some? I'm not going to, not with the entire syringe, but using just enough or just a little bit to put him off balance. So it's not like he has it as his entire faculties on him. You know? Sure. I guess I will bring up the fact that if you do that, there's a risk that when Preston does notice that he'll just decide, hey, we're going to call it and take him back to 
prison because he's acting more and more out of it, and it's we're just not going to do the second crime scene. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I was thinking out loud, because I think I might have just needed to talk about that or just say something in order for me to hear what that could have been or what that could have sounded like. Yeah, I guess I will say after the events at the house, Preston's probably oh, now that also he's understaffed, Preston's probably looking for any excuse to just call it at this point. And mm-hmm. again, bringing cats back into the equation, if he thinks that Preston's getting worse or that anything is maybe giving any more credence to this whole Sandy claim or whatever kind of thing, like any additional changes in Mills's behavior might make him also push to call it as well. Copy that. So instead of all that, I think I am going to sit back and spend this entire drive just observing Franklin and kind of noting any kind of ticks or whatever have you, if he's more agitated towards silence, if he's more agitated towards any kind of like noise or bumps in the road or anything else like that, but getting like a really good like understanding of his reaction to stimuli. Sure. And I guess like you would classify his reaction as childish this entire time. Like when there's no sound, he shuts up, and the moment you start trying to trigger him, he just starts humming again. Like it's it feels very much kind of like a child throwing a tantrum to a certain extent almost. Like there's a certain like indignant to the silence and an indignant to the humming simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I spy with my little eye something brown. Does that get a reaction from him? I just assume kind of anything you try and do to get answers out of him at this point he's on the drive is probably gonna either result in him just starting to hum loudly to drown you out or just ignoring you. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Then I'll uh, sit in silence and just watch and observe. After a little bit of driving, you arrive at Zug Island. It is foggy, the weather has gotten colder, and the slight rain has moved on into full-on rain, and so you can hear it pattering about you. Zug Island is not a great place. There's a stench of smoke and rust. The water is oily. Zug Island is a man-made island with several factories and steelworks on it. There's heaps of coal that were from ships that delivered it there. There's kind of parts all over the place. It doesn't quite mesh with the surroundings, though, either. Like, it's almost like driving into a bit of a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like, there's definitely a Mad Max industrial vibe to the entire place. It feels dangerous and sharp and a little bit burned and ashen, kind of just across the landscape. There's a gray haze across everything. Uh, There's just kind of fires from where the places are smelting off in the distance. There's just kind of hellish places. There's explosions, or not explosions, but there's like sudden jets of fire. There's just a stench of like oil and machinery and sweat and sometimes blood. It just kind of hangs across the space. Everything you touch is a little bit sooty and dusty and Maybe gross isn't the right phrase, but there's always a residue on everything just because you're not going to bother cleaning because it's going to get dirty again. Like, there's ash, there's dirt, there's smoke. It truly does feel a little bit like walking into what some people think of as hell. And amongst all of this is the Cenobia. The Cenobia is 
technically a wreck. The ship has several holes in it. It's partially sunken below the waterline. It's no longer a functioning boat. It is also the second crime scene. It's dark, uninviting, and has a very real feeling of a beached corpse. This wasn't a ship that ran aground. This was a ship that rusted in place and kind of slowly sank into the ocean. It's fully accessible via a wharf with a loading dock and whatnot attached to it. It's just not been used in a very long time. And leaving it there to rust and fall apart was more economical than dealing with it. But at the same time, the gangway and wharf to access it are in equally bad shape. Like they're not as dangerous, but everything here has seen some version of better days. Even if it's still a functioning part of the island, it's seen better days. What's everyone's reaction upon reaching here? Kind of Franklin's reaction is kind of look at it and maybe not surprise, but kind of like, huh. I think that like the overstimulation makes Jenner a bit uncomfortable as she looks back on the day that started everything. She remembers taking Mills in and how that whole scene played out and her dead partner. She's a bit agitated and angry at no one in particular and without really realizing it at the time, dating Kostroff, Mills, and basically everyone here for the fact that we're back here digging up old memories. It's an open and shut case. For me, this is kind of a very... This is a very, like, scary part for me in particular because I believe this is where I was knocked out, actually, and where I, like, have brief moments of memory in terms of the things that I saw. So this spot in particular is very definitely nervous. Like now seeing it again, it's definitely like, I would say even triggering at this point for Kossov. So Kossov is definitely like having like the handshakes and like taking deep breaths. Definitely on edge, really nervous, just maybe even like pacing back and forth. Visually, like if he can't pace back and forth, like if he's sitting down or something, his body's trembling, his hands kind of just shaking. There's a certain amount of unrest and anxiousness just simply being here. No idea what's going to come up if even then he chooses to get on and kind of explore in there with them. but. Yeah, a lot of tension, a lot of nervousness, for sure. Makes a lot of sense. Might even have a couple beads of sweat coming down my face, even. Like, mm. it's a lot. Damre? Especially with an environment like this, I'd, I've been to a house, but never really, like, a ship, I guess. So I'm just kind of examining the area and kind of getting a feel and a grip for what this is like what's in front of me sure in character i'm like reading through kostroff's report and just kind of looking through and trying to locate or at least just kind of get an idea as to like where everything all happened and uh i guess i'm also just checking on kostroff as well 
because uh, I am employed to do his psych eval and make sure that he is either on or off his game. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so Preston gets Franklin Mills out of the vehicle and starts pushing him towards the ship and kind of looks at you all and goes, all right, time to get going, I suppose. Um, last stop, uh, I got some flashlights, kind of gestures his head in the back of the van if you all want to bring some. Um, guessing the lights don't exactly work anymore in the ship. From one dark house to a darker ship, it looks like. Yeah, this has just been a great fucking day for me. I could have been at the prison, but no, I get to kind of like shoves Franklin a little bit, get to haul his ass around not one, but two terrible places. Oh, you don't love his charming personality. Kind of grimaces at this. Yeah, no. To say I do this for the money, the money alone, and just the money, this is not a passion of mine. I'd be a little concerned if it was. Smirks at this. Yeah, yeah. We all gotta pay our bills somehow. Speaking of passions, who won the game? Blinks looks you confused. I don't know what you're talking about, Doc. You were watching a game while we were driving. Curiosity, who won? The size kind of dart to cats real quick, darts back to you. No, I was just driving. Um, Again, it's been a long day, Doc. Your mind's probably playing some tricks on you or something. It's stressful and kind of shoves Franklin again. And Mr. Personality here is just the best. Hmm. Well, I will get myself a flashlight. I will do the same. All right. So you head into the Cenobia? Indeed. All right. So getting there takes a few minutes. Like, you have to climb several stairs and, like, not ladders, but ship stairs, that kind of, like, halfway between a stair and half between a ladder. You go up several levels to get there, and the entire time you're doing this, just this cold wind is whipping past all of you as you're doing this. As you get closer and closer to the ship, it just smells of stagnant seawaters, I guess stagnant Great Lake waters, more accurate. Oil, rust, metal decay, like, if you thought the area around the ship smelled bad, as you get closer, it's all that just intensify a little bit more with each kind of foot you get closer. And, yeah, you find after, a, we'll call it about ten minutes of kind of getting through the space, you find yourself on the Cenobia. You're free to poke around some. There's really not much to the Cenobia. It is a large industrial ship. You know that there's kind of really only two points of interest as far as you're concerned. The stairwell where Clark Glover's body was recovered and the engine room, the site where Janice Bedford's body was found alongside where Franklin Mills was arrested. Where do you guys want to start? I mean, you'll have to go through the stairwell to get to the engine room, probably. If we need to get to the stairwell to get to the engine room, do you want to shift my focus from Franklin Mills just for a second onto Kostroff? Sure. Kostroff, you're on the ship. You're about to go down into the ship. How are you reacting? Have the sweats gotten worse? Like. 
oh, they've gotten really bad. At this point, like, I'm definitely, like, it's trying to find the balance of, like, not being completely obvious that I'm, like, super, like, freaked out at this point. Yeah. And I'm actually, like, honestly teetering at the point where I don't want to go into the engine room. Yeah. I might actually... Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to signal to them and basically, like, you know, what? I'm going to I'm going to stay up here for a bit, guys. Um, do you really need me to come down there? Let me know. But I think I'm think I'm good up here. And I'm like taking deep breaths in between that, like right now, like I, I'm trying to hide it because I don't want to let Franklin Mills see that he's getting to me. Yeah. Give me a keep it together. OK. Partial success. So there's a variety of ways you can react to this. Most of them just involve kind of you losing one stability. Like, do you feel guilty about this? Do you become angry at the situation? Like, obviously you're scared. Like, do you let the kind of fear start to control you some? Do you start to feel sad about this? Basically, pick a negative emotion and we'll roll with it. I mean, you already said scared, so I can't really use that. I mean, you can always be more scared, I guess. Like, it's one of those ones where, as you were describing, you were kind of teetering on that, like, giving into it point. Like, I think Tosser's done a great job of holding it together so far, but, like, this is definitely, I think any normal person would kind of find themselves back in this situation. There would be, like, I'm not happy to be here because I'm scared, but, like, there's the wolves in your back of your mind that you're really scared of getting to you. I'm definitely going to go with guilt-ridden. Sure. So how does this guilt manifest? Like, I know you said you wanted to stay up top, but like, do you feel guilty that you're doing that and feel compelled to kind of stay with the group? Like, do you stay up top and start beating yourself up over this? Like, how does this guilt play out? As far as it manifesting for me, like the guilt of it is basically me, like, I would say even like almost like breaking down and like tearing up a bit and like almost crying but like, obviously not like loud, but just like, no, I got to keep it together. I got to be a man. I got to be tough. Yeah. Like way of like crying kind of thing. That's ex- essentially is what he's doing right now. But like he does it when he's out of sight of everyone else. So he's not going to do it with, while anybody can see him. So yeah, it's very much going to be done in a way where I can hide and not be seen, and then kind of let some of it out. Sure. That well, makes a lot of sense. So make sure you subtract one from your stability. Okay. So what's that take you down to? I am distressed. Makes a lot of sense, given the circumstance. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Definitely makes a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Detective Jenner, Dr. DeHomre, any reaction to this, or do you want to kind of be observant enough or care enough about your, I guess, co-workers, I guess the right phrase, to even see this is happening? Jenner thinks a moment about being cruel and prompting him to basically say that he needs to come along or they're going to take his badge away, but she thinks better of it. All right. Maybe not because she feels bad for him, but because maybe she wants that to happen. Makes sense. Dr. Domri is walking along until she just stops at one of the steps, takes a deep sigh, 
and starts heading back upstairs. So speaking of the doctor, as you're getting close to the top, you get a text message. I check check to see what the text message is. It's a simple text message. It reads, I'll be right over. We need to talk. It's from someone named Dermont. I am taken aback a little bit. And I text back, I'm sorry, you might have the wrong number. Who is this? Again, you get that kind of recipient not found response. So for reference, you're walking back up the stairs back to the surface, right? Correct. All right. So for a split second at the top of the stairs, you see four silhouettes and they're backlit by kind of the smelting fires and just the general awful of the island. It's just a blink of an eye. And maybe it's just some fog that kind of looks like a person, but there are definitely, you think at least, four distinct silhouettes of people. You can't see them all that well. Their details are kind of lost on you, but as fast as they're there, they're just gone all of a sudden. Pull out my phone and I switch to camera and I just take a photo of that area that I just saw. Sure. And I am going to make sure that it's saved because I'm going to look at it and unpack that later. You look at it now to confirm that there was something there at all, or just kind of you're going to save it for later? I'm just going to look at it now. I, I'm making sure that it's saved. Sure. Yeah, no, when you look at the image, that's just the top of the stairs. Again, like, the backlighting's weird because of all the stuff happening outside, but yeah, no, nothing's there. I continue up the stairs. Yeah, you find yourself back kind of in the top area of the Cenobia. Preston, Franklin Mills, and Detective General all continue kind of without you. Back up top is Officer Kostroff kind of trying his best to keep it together. And you're back up top with him, I guess. All right, Kostroff. Come on. You know I'm the one who's writing your psyche, Val. I know that this is not the most ideal situation, but things aren't looking good for you. If you can't handle being able to face this, this isn't going to go well. I just, like, snap out of, like, this, like, blank stare I kind of had for a second once uh, I was starting to get, like, talked to, and I look over, and I'm just, like, processing for a second what he said, and I kind of look away for a second, I take a deep breath, and then I look back over and say, all right, all right, all right, okay, (sighs) okay, all right, all right, and I start walking towards the doctor. And as I'm walking over, I make the comment. I will say, uh, Doc, your bedside manner is kind of dog shit, by the way. And then kind of just stare at the entrance to head down to the engine room. Take another deep breath and make my way down slowly. I will follow him kind of calling back out to him. I'm a state psychologist. What are they going to do? Fire me? (laughs) Hopefully that helped just kind of lighten the mood-ish, but also defend myself because I happen to quite like, and I think that I'm good at my work, and I walked down with him. All right, so we're all slowly walking towards the engine room? Yes. Yep. Yep.